All right. I am very excited to show you the size of this guy's chest. I can't wait to yeah. see what this guy's looks like. I almost want to skip to that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. Okay. Do you want to take a look at it first? To... The dick? No, the, no, the uh, script. Oh. Do you want to just go with it? Let's go. All right. Let's do it. Hi, I'm Mitchell Bishop. And I'm Michael Anthony. Welcome to Art Holes. This is an art and art history podcast with two people who have absolutely zero authority to speak on these topics. Art Holes. Right. Part two. Part two. Art Holes. Recap. <laughs> recap right. us a little bit, Mike. No, you recap us. Oh, God. I don't know. Okay. We, we've got uh, Juan Ruiz. Is that his last name? Jose Ruiz. We're already off to a great start. Was that racist Guys, of me? Uh, Mitch has retained a significant amount of information since um, we recorded the first episode. Jose Ruiz. I said it wrong again. <laughs> you said it wrong again. Uh, Ru- uh, 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 Jose Ruiz is uh, Pablo Picasso's father. But what we learn is that he's also like just a lech on his whole family. Like He's the oldest, but he's... Uh, you know, like doesn't have a care in the world. He's useless. Sponges off his family. Uh, his brother, uh, Pablo, becomes a famous doctor in their small town. The Pablo is the Pablo is the Younger. bishopy guy. He was the bishopy one, the the cardinal bishopy one. And uh, then the, the Tio, other one was the doctor. Tio Salvador is the doctor. Salvador, yes. Salvador is the doctor. Right. So Sal- so um uh, they say marry this woman. Uh, and sh- a cousin and you'll get the money but he's like no no I want to marry this other poor woman uh, and then they get together mm-hmm. have Pablo but he's still born but all but they blew cigar smoke yeah, in his face and how, he came to life how excited were you when you heard that I was so stoked <laughs> that is um, you know it's like fairy tale stuff uh, they treat this kid like cash money uh, they give him all these awesome expensive um all these awesome uh, art classes and whatnot. Yep, education is fantastic. <clears throat> Meanwhile, his seven-year-old daughter, uh, sister is dying of diphtheria. Yeah, it doesn't end well for her, Conchita. And they can't even afford to bury her. Conchita Ruiz, or however, right. however you... <laughs> it's Reyes, okay? <laughs> the, the Reyes family. The Reyes family. <laughs> they're now they're Brazilian. So, basically where we're at, the, and then the, the seven-year-old Pablo is like, or the ten-year-old Pablo's like, oh shit! Like people live and die, mm-hmm. tough, tough shit. Yep. Uh, sh- let's go shoot cats with uh, shotguns. Yep. Bunch and of go bull to fights. bullfighting. Yep. Um, grows up, goes to the La Yotia Art School. Oh, and and this was also the birthplace or the most popular place to practice. Machismo. What's where machismo started? The idea of machismo, this hyper masculinity. How crazy is that? That's where it started. I, I'm more impressed that that's how. How did they figure that out? How did they know that that was the place? You know. Yeah. That they were like, that's ours. How do you trace assholishness? So just to, before we get started, do you remember Manuel Pyaris? Pyaris was the fellow art student from Leotia School in Barcelona. That's the guy who was, uh, he was 19, Picasso was 13, and then the next year, Pyaris introduced Picasso to prostitutes. Right. He's just sort of a piece of shit scumbag. He's the, one of the scumbag friends. Mm-hmm. So he's going to play a role. Big th- role in his in this, maturity, Yeah, sort of a, a role in this episode, but I just, mm-hmm. to get a, a reminder of, of, of Manuel Pyaris. Cool. <laughs> All 
right, so when we last left Pablo, he was on the way to Madrid to the San Fernando Academy of Art after a very successful of summer of incest with his cousin Carmen. Great. The summer of love. It, alle- can... Allegedly. Allegedly it was incest because Picasso doesn't court. Yeah, right. It wasn't in his nature to, yeah. to just court. We're all adults here. Come on. Uh, Pablo didn't last very long in Madrid, though, only like eight months or so. Hated his teachers. They didn't really like him. He hated the structure of the classes. And he didn't think that the San Fernando Academy provided anything better than La Yotia school did. Plus, he was incredibly poor and couldn't afford prostitutes. That was a deciding factor. Dad, can I come home? Well, can I just come home? I, I can't afford the prostitutes out here. His son, Tio Salvador, paid a ton of money, and he's breaking my balls about the fact that you're, he's, he's paying for your education. But it's, there are no good prostitutes in Madrid. Tio Salvador. They're too expensive is what it was. They're, well, they're too, they're too... He's completely poor. It's Madrid. Yeah, and he's also too poor to be considered dateable. So in his mind, this woman thing is not going to happen at all. His one solace in Madrid was a friend he met named Hortensi Guell, and they became fast friends immediately. Guell was a fellow art student, but he was really more on a path to become an art an art critic than an actual artist. Uh, Hortensi Guell was described as neurotic and self-destructive and absolutely fawned over Pablo. Mm. And Pablo just soaked up that admiration. And I mean, it, Picasso loves these guys. Anyone who can just kiss his ass. This guy was into him sexually. No, it was just people, like, people were obsessed with Pablo. He, he had a... There was a there was a magnetism there, magnetism, and he yeah. he was a he was a very talented artist, and all these you know these art students who weren't going to make it, they could say, oh, I'm just going to tie my string to this guy's coattails. That's nice. Well, that was until the. I mean, it's nice was, to just know, hey, that guy. If I if I ride this coattails, I'm in good shape. Yeah, you're it's you're you're putting. If you're, you're going to be a coattail rider, yeah, there's got to be some. There's got to be some kind of satisfaction in riding the right person's coattails. Yeah, I mean, otherwise you're just spending a whole lot of time wasting it. I mean, for a dead end, that's a true loser, right? A true loser is someone who rides the coattails and it just ends of up the being wrong the, person. <laughs> wrong person, just a complete loser. <laughs> you but know, you're such a loser that you don't know how much of a loser right. that other person is. Well, all of this was cut short when Hortense Guell jumped off a cliff and drowned himself. Oh no. He was having serious relationship problems, and the woman he was obsessed with was not into him, so he jumped and killed himself. Bummer. Pa- Pablo, Way to bring it down. Yeah, dude. Pablo was beside himself after Guell's suicide and stopped painting. The shadow of death and mortality, everything from Conchita, you know, all those memories are being brought back out into the forefront. His buddy Pyaris, the one from La Yotia Art School, the 19-year-old that introduced the 14-year-old prostitutes, mm-hmm. he heard what happened and said, Pablo, come out to the countryside in Spain. you got to get all this stuff off your mind. Come out, hang out. It's, the countryside's beautiful. It's exactly what you need. This is like 19, or 1898, 1899. So Pablo goes out to the Pyaris family farm and learns how to work the animals in the farm, and he's starting to feel normal again, and he's starting to paint again. So Stella's getting his groove back. Is this the first time Pablo's ever actually had a job where he, like, works in some way? Because before this, it always seems like he's just a painter and then doesn't actually, like, everyone just waits on him hand and foot. 100%. This is him starting to... So he's to, like, hey, this work thing's not so bad, tending to goats and stuff. Tilling the land and doing all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. he was, I mean, this was, he was starting to... 
put in manual labor and also maybe started to love painting again because I don't want to spend the rest of my life shoveling horse shit. Yeah, there is something to be said about that. I was just sitting here thinking that like how I, and then I felt like this too in the last episode was like how easy. I mean, he, he still was able to, he was dirt poor. He was still able to eat. But it was like, yeah, come out to the countryside, like leave school for a little bit. You know, like all, all these kind of like people just kind of went and did what they wanted to do. He, I, maybe not everybody, but it, well, he was still enough of the the upper crusty. I love that word. I keep saying that phrase, upper crusty. Upper I'm gonna crusty. find upper crusty. I'm gonna find a different phrase for that. No, no, that's a good phrase. Think, upper yeah, okay, crusty. Should we stick with it until yeah, it gets super it says, annoying? You know, we know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. So he like he had enough money and could borrow small amounts of money to take these little trips. Like he's still part of the bourgeois class enough okay. that this is possible. Because he's he's living off his uncle's money. Yeah. And he was loving this farm situation with Pyaris <clears throat> until Pyaris thought it was a good idea to take Pablo to a surprise adventure, which was an autopsy for an old woman and her granddaughter who had just been killed in a lightning strike together. That sounds like an awesome field trip. Yeah, it's, it's, it's back when there wasn't shit to do, and every day was the that's same. That's not a bad... That, that's not, like, what was so... What, why do you think that's so controversial? Uh, why is that a, such a it's bad a, it's a little morbid uh it's super morbid it's, but it's super morbid it's i mean they're already dead it's not like we're dealing with a situation where yeah. he's killing the grandmother and the granddaughter or like watch these two people die it's also maybe a little insensitive to somebody who just lost a little sister yeah yeah so during the autopsy as the sheriff started to saw into the little girl's head oh. to like poke around in there uh -huh. while he was smoking a blood smeared <laughs> cigar Ugh. The trauma of Conchita's death reactivated in Pablo, and he just went absolutely bugfuck. And really? immediately left for Barcelona. He was like, yep, I'm leaving now. Wow. We're done here. I got to go back to a safe zone. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I guess I, my morbid curiosity and not the, you know, I don't have a little sister that I lost to diphtheria not too long ago. So uh, I didn't even I mean, think. that would, it would be weird that we haven't talked about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> that that didn't come up in the first episode is would be my yeah oh I forgot to mention um, <laughs> shit I forgot to tell you I a I it. had a little sister time, yeah. b she's not here anymore yeah. I also have the sense of people back then or or people uh, yeah back it was then. boring it was boring as shit it was back boring then. and also like when two uh, people got killed with the same lightning strike you're one hundred percent gonna go check that out absolutely I would just assume you see dead bodies all the time oh everyone was dying back then all it was the people time. died all the time yeah. And not even like the so way I now where we put people, people in. The way that it, yeah, they didn't have a hospice and all these facilities back then where people, no, no, people were just dying on the streets. Yeah, and they were like, oh, I guess they're going to die. Or like, you know, somebody's sick and they're like, yeah, they're just going to probably die. I would, I would, I would Pray. Go check out the lightning. Pray. I would check out the lightning strike thing if we're going to be completely honest. For sure. Pablo returned to Barcelona at that point, a very changed person. We need to think about him now as a fully formed adult. He's like around 18 or so, so he's more or less fully grown. I mean, during those times, though, the average lifespan was 48 years old. So when you're 18, like you're almost middle-aged, which is crazy. He, <laughs> he topped out at a gentlemanly five foot three inches and had a penis that was described as, quote, enormous. <laughs> Uh, and, and I know is, that, is it the moment? No, no. We're getting there. Or what? Well, Lead up to build up to it because I want to. Well, don't I, look at his penis just yet. Yeah, I, 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 I can't told wait. I told Mitch that we were going to be talking about this uh, this 
dick game situation. I can't wait. So I know that sounds like a weird detail for everybody, but it's not, and I couldn't figure out a better time to bring it up. So now is as good a time as any. Yeah, he's got a huge dick. Huge. So we're gonna look at we're we're gonna we're post it now. Yeah, we're gonna look at it right no, now. We're gonna wait, wait, wait. Are we? Is there a game that's attached with this? You're gonna tell me something about the dick, right? The uh, don't yeah. look at the picture yet. I want to hear about it, and then I want to see it. No, now's the time to. Now's the time to look yeah, at the dick. Yeah, now's okay. the time to, to to bring it up. Um, all right, here we go. So this is a picture of of Pablo at around this age. Wait, is this his dick? Well, no, this is him. This is him standing here. He's standing in his art studio, but you can see where my mouse is. This like John Ham situation going on right here. Oh, yeah. That's a. That's a that's a pretty that's a pretty solid hog. And he's five three. But he's five three. Do we actually get half to see of it the is thing? dick? Well, no. So we we have an outline. Well, well, here's another picture of him as an old guy, and this is just like this is just more. It's just trying to creep That's out underneath right the bottom of his age. shorts. That's a giant. And he is widely known as having a giant hog. Damn. 5'3". Five, 5'3". Three. Five, three and just, in, yeah. So keep yeah. that big dick in the back of your mind. You, never, you like, never pay for another meal. No. Oh, God. Not at all. No, and nor should you. Just, just live off the fruits of that dick. But keep that real real deep in the back of your mind uh it's uh, it's gonna be in the forefront yeah almost have mind. it almost have it bottom out the back of your mind because his penis plays a role in his art and it's also the catalyst i think for a lot of people's bad decisions throughout his life so not only is he just slinging this monster but he also learned how to please a woman from gypsy prostitutes mm. But in an actual, life. he can actually, yeah. He actually, when you women learn, were like, yeah, gypsy, pro- yeah, gypsy prostitutes are like, look, here's the deal. I've had sex with fourteen thousand guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do this thing. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right, right, right. But most importantly, he returned to Barcelona as Pablo Picasso, having officially dropped the Ruiz from his last name. I tried through the first episode to use Pablo, and I know it was probably super annoying. People were like, oh, just say goddamn Picasso. Mm-hmm. But we can officially call him Picasso moving forward. Okay. His rationale for completely abandoning his cultural tradition, naming mechanisms, it, it's fascinating. Years later, he would say that the two S's in Spanish were more interesting. And he asked, can you imagine me being called Ruiz? Hmm. Yeah, y- I could totally imagine that. That's how all that shit worked back then. Yeah, but I can't because, you know, I mean, obviously, con- contextually, you know, there's just this, uh, I mean, Picasso, it's means, Picasso. A, exactly. means a thing. Yeah, exactly. It's become its own, you know. And I, I think the naming mechanism, I think that's dumb, but be a goddamn adult about the reason. Like, it was Oedipal. You slayed your father's last name. You didn't want to be associated with your father's mediocrity, his perceived failures. That could be it. They could also be in a, a sense of like becoming your own person too. You oh know, yeah, you know what I mean. Like 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 there is this. He be, he had a maturity at that point. Um, I guess I don't know. He wanted to be his own his man, and, and also whatever, it, you, I don't know about that. Again, but, you know, we talked a lot right. in the first episode about how boring of a name Jose Ruiz is. You know, maybe it really is part of, like, no one's going to remember me. Yeah. But the switch to Picasso really pissed off Tio Salvador, who wanted Picasso to keep signing paintings as Ruiz so he could cash in on the fame. 
So this now we start to get to what? Can you maybe, imagine? Can you imagine? It's like it's a Picasso's. Like it's a Ruiz. Yeah. Oh my no, God. Can you just say Ruiz? Then it's worth more. And then Tio Salvador has to go. No, you don't understand. My idiot younger brother married uh, Maria, and that's it's a whole it's a whole thing. And also, you can sell it more if you say you know the actual artist. And so he's just pissed off, and Picasso totally took that away from him. Uh-huh. Picasso's technical skill had improved a ton, and there was also way more emotion in his art. Um, he was able to... So when you paint, and I, again, not having any background on art, when you paint, you, I just think, oh, you paint a face, and you can skillfully portray a face, but there is an ability to say, oh, I can paint and accurately express the, the emotion of apprehension right. or fear right, 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 right. or um, orgasmic delight. Like these are all things that he was very, very good at. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. That I, I never thought of that. I mean, to me, there's something mystifying about painting that I, it's people. There are some people who are just like, oh, so you can be taught to do this. And to me, it doesn't see, seem like that's possible. You know, I would never. Do you remember the commercials with the the art school with the turtle where you draw the turtle? Yes, right, right. right. Yeah, I could. I would. I can never draw that turtle. Never in a million years. But even then, I don't know if. I'm teachable in that way. I think I don't want to see what an artist process is. You, you know just want to see the final results. Well, yeah. I mean, to me, that's like the, that's the, that's what's effective when I see something, I'm like, Oh, I have this feeling. So can to be a, a contemporary of like Picasso's and be like, this guy paints literal emotions yeah not he's, figures not not like literal figures but emotions people were people were starting to realize his technical skill and his ability to you know, again the humanism in his art mm-hmm. i mean to the point where he refused to re-enroll in art school he instead sublet a studio where he yeah, would why? paint and sleep when he wasn't at brothels and it was also when picasso started to collect friends that were more like acolytes and grow his own tertulia so that was the remember there was like That's the, the dream. there was Growing the, the tor- ha- yeah. tortulia is your own is your dream is the dream yeah That's any artist's dream is your tortulia you know well that's the weird thing about tortulia is it's it's the it's the artist's dream but it's also the acolyte's dream it's this oddly symbiotic relationship where the artists are the talent and they get these rich friends to be involved and they provide the artist with pr access to buyers you know everyone's success breeds more success yeah and then they all just go get drunk and have sex with prostitutes. yeah i mean obviously it's like uh it's a boys club but it is also um in in theory in the abstract is the way to do it because it's all these are people who you appreciate their shit and they appreciate your shit and you're able to be like it's almost like a self-sustaining form of a micro economy yeah but with a bunch of prostitutes <laughs> Right, right, so, right, right. So Picasso spent most of his time in Barcelona at El's Quatre Gats, the four cats. And that is the Catalan pronunciation. That's not me butchering basic French and Spanish. And the play sounds like an absolute blast. Bunch of tertulias that would hang out there. It was like a bohemian cabaret beer hall and cafe. Are there historic uh, rival tertulias? Well, there's a bunch of tertulias in El Quatregat. So you'll have like that other guy's Tertulia over there. Fuck, fuck him. That yeah. fuck that talentless hack yeah, yeah. and his Tertulia, a uh, bunch of idiots. And I talk to all the prostitutes and they tell me that, you know, bad he, dick game. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So naturally too, if you're hanging out with prostitutes and you're in a Tertulia and, and, and you're Pablo Picasso and you're 5'3", and you've got a giant dick, uh, 
the rumor of having a giant dick is that's the the biggest place it can flourish. Yes. That's the that's your target audience. Your target audience is where you're hanging out. Yeah. So like if I hung out in bars all the time with all my buddies and I could drink like some absolute ridiculous amount of booze, which I can't. Um, people be like, yeah, this guy can put him down, you know? Yeah. And but this guy's like, yeah, this guy's got a, a monster hog. This guy's got a lot going for him. But these the, these types of bars, these these beer halls like El, El's Quattrogats, they're a hub for ideas, movement of, of, of art techniques, and it, it, anarchists are involved there, and they're, they're spreading ideas in hedonism. Mm hmm. Picasso's Tertulia had guys like Fernandez de Soto brothers, uh, the Fernandez de Soto brothers, Angel and Mateo. Uh, Picasso described Angel as a musing wastrel, and Mateo <laughs> as pale, shabby, and spoke French like a Spanish cow. These were his own dudes? Yeah, these were his friends. <laughs> yeah, this is a nice, nice guy. There was also the Junior Vidal brothers. They're not really important yet, but we'll eventually be talking a lot about one of the brothers, Sebastian Junior Vidal. So keep, keep those, those guys in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. And another constant at Els Quattro Gats is someone who would soon become part of Picasso's Tertulia, and that was a Catalonian named Jaime Sabartes. We haven't really talked a whole lot about Catalonia, it's the, the autonomous region where Barcelona is located mm -hmm. in its relationship to Andalusia. Mm -hmm. We should probably talk about that for a few seconds before talking about Sabartes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to plow through this quickly because it's drag government shit. Great. Spain is a highly desensitized unitary state. So while there's federal government and sovereignty exists in a federal sense, there's a disproportionate power given to the autonomous communities of Spain. So because there's the decentralization of power and the autonomy stretches back so long, those autonomous regions develop their own historical, cultural, and political traditions. Yeah, so Catalonia, which is where Barcelona is located, is in the principality in the northeast area of Spain. And it's kind of the, it's the equivalent of Andalusia in the south. Catalan, one of the official languages of Catalonia, isn't a, der uh, a derivation of Spanish. It's its own romance language. That's how long the differences go back. They actually developed their own languages. But it's similar enough that you can understand what's being said or what? Yeah, and they'll speak. Like, if you're, if you're not from they'll Catalonia, you can speak Spanish. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's, that's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like if New York and Texas were even more independent and powerful, but they also spoke different languages. Yeah, like, right. Texas would still be trying to execute the mentally retarded because it's Texas. It would just be harder to tell them to stop because they don't speak cuck. And because more of the industrial and successful areas were located in some autonomous regions, they would score higher across the boards with indices of prosperity, like better GDP, mm -hmm. better education, access to health care. They did better independently. Independently, because all the money, all the tax revenue, things like that sticks in the area. Yeah. And it basically creates this intra-Spanish bigotry. Mm -hmm. So Jaime Sabar towards them or towards the other or, the or other regions in within 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 Spain. Okay. So Sabartes was a proud Catalonian. I'm and saying within Catalonia. No, Catalonia would hate other people. That's what I mean. Yeah. Okay. So Sabartes was a proud Catalonian, and as a proud Catalonian, hated anybody Andalusian. Right. He described Andalusians as bullfighting gypsy dagos who drink and dance flamenco, and they also wear tight pants and short jackets. 
And Andy Lonian's like, hey, I don't wear tight pants and short jackets. You, you can wear tight pants and you can wear short jackets. <laughs> hey, you, that you re- just misrepresents me. You just can't wear them at the same time. But when Sabartes met Picasso, he was immediately smitten. Of course, as like he, everybody. Sabartes had no talent, charm, or looks. And as racist as Sabartes was against Andalusians, he immediately knew that he would be a lifelong loyalist to Picasso. Wow. This fucking guy. Born with a golden horseshoe up his ass. It's, yeah, he, but he's collecting these, it's kind of like, a, he's kind of like a Michael Cohen type. Who? Are you talking about Picasso? Sub, no, Sabartes. Sabartes, I get, but, but, I mean, but just the, this guy hates, h- hates, uh, Pablo Picasso, it's not even about this guy. It's about Pablo Picasso walking into every situation and um, just dominating. Some In just some, at least one person in the room. Falling to their fucking knees for this guy. Exactly. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's 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 pretty depressing, too, because he, a lot of times, he, I mean, you heard what he said about his friends. and I mean, he is just an asshole to everybody. Right, and I get that that's probably part of the machismo, um, you know, because they that's the t- hey you know I'm from the town that created machismo so you know I gotta give you shit but I love you guys but I'm you you sound like a gypsy cow yeah he's, yeah he's and he's a little more uh, he's probably a little more dick than he should be yeah he, he'd be a little gracious you know yeah but Sabartes wasn't really good at anything else so his thought process was was he might as well be indisposable to somebody. And Sabartes was hated by the rest of Picasso's Tertulia and even Picasso's family. I think his mom, Maria, even hated, uh, hated Sabartes. Mm-hmm. But he was just going to squeeze everything out of Picasso. This was his meal ticket. And now Picasso had another rich, loyal sycophant. Although Sabartes was way less fun than everybody else. But wait, was Sabartes, like, rich? He was rich, right? He was, he he was, need- in, the, he was in the bourgeois class. I don't know if you would call him filthy rich, but he was rich enough to where... Mm-hmm. He asks, you know, what poor people do. Like he's he's rich enough. Yeah, yeah. Now, Mitch. Yeah. Before we move on with the story, we need to introduce one more person who will be part of Picasso's Tertulia. Oh my God! There's so many people in this. There's a lot of people. Yeah, it's time to talk about Carlos Casajemas. Oh, here we go. It's it's that time. <laughs> It wasn't long after Picasso met Sabartes that he also met Carlos Casajemas. Oh, this guy. Before we get into the inner workings of the man's penis, we need to get inner workings of the man. Yes. This, this, let's backtrack and say that this guy was. This was a, an example of John Richardson being a really great biographer. Right. And here's a guy that there was a ton of rumors about him being impotent and Richardson did a ton of research to expel the rumors of the right answer because he didn't want you to get to the correct answer by saying, well, no, Casahamas was impotent, but believe it for this other reason. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it, was a, it, was a lot, it, was, it was fun to research. Casahamas was born to a high-ranking American diplomat and a wealthy Spanish woman. Casahamas had three older sisters, the youngest of whom was 20 years older than Casahamas. And this is an era where having boys means everything. So that's like having three really, really awesome golden retrievers. And then six years later, the in vitro kicks in. And you're like, oh, this is great. I actually have a child I care about now. Right, 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 right. But being new parents 20 Did years. You, just, you, you, you said golden retrievers is the, were the women. That's sort of how it was treated. I mean, that they were like, yeah, that yeah they were just when you, pets or, or that they were uh, 
they weren't really fully respected autonomous. Yeah. I mean, it really was like having a dog. Yeah. And terrible. But twenty years twenty years later, as a parent, like imagine you're going to be a little exhausted, maybe a little less energy, and you don't put as much into the parenting thing. Yeah. Granted, I have absolutely no background in parenting, but you do anything for a ton of time and then 20 years later you have to do it again it's gonna be pretty annoying (coughs) so they didn't really instill a lot of values in casa hamas they didn't really explain a whole lot of things they just gave him a bunch of money and they raised a rich little asshole casa hamas was described as charming incurably self-destructive weak demanding and was also severely addicted to alcohol and morphine this guy sounds a lot like me He's, you know what? He does have some Mitch qualities to him, and I think maybe that's why I like him so much. <laughs> he was also weak and demanding. Yeah, and he also had manic depressive mood swings and had impotency oh, problems. Well, <laughs> probably from all the liquor and uh, yeah, the liquor and smack. smack. Yeah, yeah. Um, Picasso and Casa Hamas were immediately inseparable. Casa Hamas was unable to survive without a, a friend to cling on to, and now he had an up and coming art prodigy to suckle. Damn. Like this is this is this is the perfect. Uh, it's it's. I'm trying to think of the right. It's is a level of codependence here. That's what it developed. Yeah, that's sure. to get uncomfortable for everybody. But for Picasso, he was enthralled by Casa Hamas's worldliness, his knowledge of French culture, his family's wealth and influence. And in Picasso's mind, those were everything he deserved. But Jose cheated him out of by being terrible at life. Isn't that crazy? He didn't cheat him out of anything, really. No, but I think Picasso was just so annoyed. It's like, how can you not paint the feet on this bird, you idiot? Like, I'm 12 years old and I have to finish your shit bird. In this entire time, Picasso is learning and testing art styles, coming into his own. He's submitting art to uh, exhibitions, large showings, and he's getting a little bit of money, some patronage, some positive attention. And he's still, because he's a humanist, he's only really painting people. He's not doing landscapes or fruit or shit like that. So we talked about this. Does he do sittings? Does he do, does he do people paint him? Does he paint people while yeah they're while they're sitting there? Yeah, but it's usually you need to. It's the prostitutes. That's where you find the models from because yeah, right. a lot of Picasso's art was it was the, a lot of the gritty lows, but also sensual, ecstatic highs of the human condition. This very sexy, and you can't sit naked for somebody a bunch of times without people thinking that you're having sex with yeah, the artist. Right, right. So that's the part where it gets tough to to convince people to sit. But there was a shadow growing in Picasso's mind, like Gandalf style. Death and mortality. He's still going through that existential crisis phase. He's thinking about Conchita's death, Hortense Guell's suicide, and his art is getting darker and much more adult. Mm-hmm. And with a small commission from his art and help from Jose and Maria, Picasso had enough money to take a trip to Paris. The city of art. Fuck this guy. It's his lifelong dream. <laughs> He's getting ready to go. Uh, so Casa Hamas, Pyaris, and Picasso all got matching. <laughs> yeah, okay. they got matching black corduroy suits with uh. a bunch of buttons, like the Steve Harvey collection. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah. They, Richardson made a point to point out like there was a, there was a bunch of buttons on these suits. Uh. So they found a sublet. Cool guys, yeah, what they're cool they're guys and they're in matching corduroy and they're matching suits. too. Cute. They they found a sublet of an apartment slash art studio. And made for Paris. Uh, Sabartes, not about, I mean, this is a bunch of guys going to be 
absolute degenerates, and yeah, Sabartinus is not fun, so he doesn't go on this trip. Good. Good. When the three got to their new flat, they found it was also occupied by three women who were models. Oh, my God. I think that's just how it worked back then in Paris when you borrowed somebody's apartment. It just came with people. There was Germaine, who Casa Hamas immediately fell in love with. Antoinette, who was Germaine's half-sister, only the two just did not look anything alike. Apparently, Germaine had a lot of half-sisters. Her parents, very busy, just not with each other. Hmm. Antoinette and Pyaris. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Antoinette and Pyaris, they paired up, but she had to be convinced a little bit. And then there was Odette. She, I don't think she was into Pyaris, and I think everybody else was like, "Hey, look, we're all, yeah, look, we're all in the same apartment. Let's, come on, don't make it weird." Come and on, don't make it don't weird. Don't make it weird. Sleep with this guy, Pyaris. You, she got pressured into it, and I'm sure it was a... Not, That's not weird. Yeah. And also, remember from Pyaris, he's sort of an asshole, so she probably right, doesn't like him. the last dude. Yeah, he's she a pr- dick. And probably all wanted Picasso, honestly. Well, Picasso had his... He had his eye on a woman named Odette, mm-hmm. who was described as, quote, raucous, and had a habit of getting rip shit drunk all the time and only spoke French. Yes. Big fan. Odette is low-key my second favorite character in this entire story. <laughs> we'll eventually meet another character later who was my favorite, and you will know because I will be giddy as hell. <laughs> okay. And Odette was perfect for Picasso because he didn't speak any French and didn't really care about where her thoughts yeah. or opinions were. So, in, Oh, and also she didn't care that he was sleeping with other people, so Picasso was really into that. We should do... A little bit of a retrospective at this point, now that Picasso is having sex with somebody that he can't even talk to or have a conversation with. Mm-hmm. And retrospective on Picasso's love life now that he's an adult on his own. He's never really had a girlfriend. Well, he's only slept with prostitutes? He's, he's slept mostly with, he's slept, slept with women, right? He's mostly slept with prostitutes. Okay. Um, he had the one girl, the horse, the horse, not Mr. Hand's girlfriend, that he sort of treated like a prostitute. Right. So right, right. he's been raised by these pious aunts and relatives, and he's only really had se- consistent sex with prostitutes since he was 14. Right. And these prostitutes never give him the emotional satisfaction or the emotional support. You know, they do a lot for him, okay? Because they're sitting there, they're going to they take their clothes off and get painted for hours, and then, uh, you know, have sex with this guy and everyone else. And. You know, we can't expect these prostitutes to be uh, emotionally there for him either. I, I'm on your side and the yeah. prostitute side. Yeah. I mean. They're, they're pulling their weight. They're pulling their weight for what they're getting paid. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. But the emotional support in his life is coming from the women he can't have sex with. Right. So Picasso is evolving into the epitome of someone that Freud would call the Madonna whore complex. Mm-hmm. which is when men see women as either saintly Madonnas or debased prostitutes or sexual partners. So they can't love who they desire and they can't desire who they love. Right. So no matter where you are in the sexual spectrum, you're looking for you know, really two basic needs from a person, emotional needs and physical needs, and he can't bridge those at all. And it's also pretty fucked up that you're basically reducing women to constructs. And yeah, I mean, well, that's... You're not a, yeah, you're not treating them as equals. These, these people are vampires. So if there was ever a case studying the Madonna horror complex, Picasso's our guy. So getting back to the story, Picasso and Pyaris were fine with Odette and Antoinette sleeping around. 
they were cool with it. They were like, hey, man, we're in Paris. We're young. Do whatever you want to do. Casa Hamas, on the other hand, was not cool with everything because he thought he and Jermaine should get married. And that was a giant problem for Jermaine because she was not interested in marrying him. She just wanted to have fun. She wanted to have fun. Casa Hamas had zero experience with women. This was the first bed he yeah, ever right, shared with right, a woman. Right, right. And especially a woman like Jermaine, who was incredibly confident and loved sex. And this is where the rumors of Casa Hamas's impotence began. You know, the the thing the thing with it is like this guy put all his eggs in Picasso's basket, then he met the woman of his dreams, and now he's going to put everything in her basket. But not what she wants put in her basket. Right, 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 right. He's He just can't deliver those she, eggs. She, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's an odd metaphor there. Um, what we do know is he wasn't getting erections with Jermaine, and Casa Hamas hoped that by sharing a room with Picasso... You know, the, the coxman of El's Quattro Gats, that the, quote, priapic heterosexual in Picasso would wear off on him somehow. So he thought, like, hey, Picasso was doing his thing. Maybe if I'm around it. If I'm just in the room. Yeah, it's it's going to do like a, a, a if, osmosis. If I just get a whiff. Just, I need to just if smell just... that giant dick. I think it'll make me, because they say the sense of smell is the strongest tie to memory. So if I can smell it, I'll remember how to get an erection. But that's not how science works. No. So Picasso at this point is getting small commissions for paintings. He's playing with light color, new techniques, visiting the Louvre. You know, he's a professional artist at this point. The goal is to study at the Louvre, bring his skills back to Barcelona and become more famous, then move back to Paris full time when he can afford to do it. Mm And he also wants to leave Paris because Casa Hamas is losing his shit. Mm -hmm. The whole situation got really out of control when Jermaine got bored with Casa Hamas' moodiness, demanding attitude and drug addiction, which wasn't being balanced out with good sex. So she began to sleep with a bunch of circus folk. Ugh, not circus folk. Carnies. She got in with some carnies. And Casa Hamas at this point is now getting constantly rip shit drunk. And probably just picturing carnies climbing all over the love of his wife. Oh, sexy. Oh, and they smell I'll like carnies. It's just, uh, you know, they have some sort of spell they put over people, I think, when they're in a town. It's just some people can't it's, can't stop themselves. It's the it's the sense that I can have my fun, and eventually they're going to go to go a different away. town. Yeah. And maybe next year, it's like summer camp. Yeah, I could see that. But in his mind, this is like a Sam and Diane situation, and it's just not fitting, and he can't figure out why. Right. Casa Hamas called. It's one sided. It's, to- it's totally one sided. Casa Hamas called Jermaine his fiance, even though they never had sex. Oh, nice. I moved, I did. I've done that on a second date. Oh, really? No, I'm kidding. Oh, I was going to say that's a fun story for episode two. <laughs> <laughs> he was also showing Wait, signs. They never had. They had never had. Never sex had once. sex, and he's calling her his fiance. They're going to get married. Oh Christ! There's nothing worse than having that guy around. He's he's not, and he becomes Kill way less the fun. Vibe. He Kill is. In the he's vibe. a totally huge. He really is, dude. He, you're Tulia. I'll tell you. Next time you're in Paris, Pablo. Yeah, maybe. Uh, dude, get your boy out of here, man. He's <laughs> get your Tulia out of here. Yo, dude. Okay, this guy's terrible. They're blowing it. He was also showing signs of mental illness and severe alcoholism. Yeah. So both Picasso and Casa Hamas went back to Malaga for a little bit, mm-hmm. and Pyaris is staying in Paris. So he's he's staying with he you know he's got um, God what was her name? And Antoinette. 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 So 
Pyaris has Antoinette. So Picasso and Casajemus go back to Malaga. Go back to Malaga. And it was almost like a high school reunion situation for Picasso. He went back, enjoyed the gypsies and the brothels of his childhood. Yeah, that's nice. It's the time you come back home, and it's yeah. like a, you sort of made something of yourself you a little walk, bit. You walk down the same street. Shoulders you know? a little, a little, a little hey, straighter. Look, it's it's little Pablo. Welcome hey, back, buddy. Hey, have you been to the have you been to the brothel yet? All of them. They're it, gonna they're gonna oh they're gonna be so excited. It went immediately as, I, yeah. as, as soon as hey, I got here. Look who it is. Casa Hamas, on the other hand, was getting as drunk as possible as often as possible. In in oh, in, in he, Malaga. He, when he came to Malaga. Picasso realized that he couldn't babysit Casa Hamas anymore, and he was becoming nothing more than this parasite. So even Picasso's feeling this, dude. You're just you're killing all of the mood. I'm trying to have this crazy prostitute high school reunion situation, and right. he realizes this that we one, all have this friend. You know, it's the one friend where you realize like they just suck all the air out of the room, uh. and it's exhausting being around them. And once you realize it, you can't get it out of your head. Yeah. So yeah, but, yeah. There's a moment. It's like when fuck, you're like, what am oh, I doing he's here? That guy. It's too bad. So Picasso put Casa Hamas in a boat and shipped him to Barcelona. <laughs> Just, man, get the fuck out of town. Yeah. And Picasso then decided to give Madrid one more shot, which he immediately hated, uh, hated anyway. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to lose track of time for people who like to keep track of dates. So we're around 1901 at this point. Mm-hmm. And Picasso is around 20 years old. Meanwhile, in Barcelona, Casa Hamas is having a full-fledged meltdown. He's writing uh, letters to Germaine two times a day, begging her to marry him. Dude. It's not the right approach. This is like on your second date. She's moved your, on to your the, second date. She, uh, she moved <laughs> on to circus people. Yeah, she's, yeah she, she doesn't understand what's happening. Uh, Germaine, who, she's in Paris, goes to Paris and is like, hey, man, your boy is crazy. He keeps sending me letters. And oh, by who, the who, way. Who goes to Paris? Uh, no, uh, Paris. Germaine, she's in Paris. And she goes to Paris. yeah. And was like, I don't know what's happening. Your boy's nuts. And by the way, we never had sex because he's impotent. So she officially dropped the impotency bomb at that point. Because Amos is, he's in. What you wanted to to focus on was that it wasn't the rumors, that it was, there was an actual moment. Yeah. So everyone knows that Casa Hamas can't get erections, which is just a, it's a bummer to have that around, but also stop drinking so much and doing so much goddamn heroin. Like maybe that is a part of it and you're freaking everybody out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got a lot of stuff going on. He's got a lot. He's, there's a lot that, that marriage won't fix there, pal. No, especially if someone who doesn't want to marry you. So he's for not, one, yeah, that's, just for starters. It's a, it's a, it's a big one. He's he's in walking around mumbling to yourself territory. Yeah, but he's not in full like tinfoil hat. Get the codes from the government realm yet. Is anybody? Is he with anybody right now? He's with like the the Paris part of Picasso's Tertulia. All of these people, Paris. They're all in Barcelona right no, now. No, they're Barcelona. all in, uh, they're all. Uh, Pyrus is in, in Paris. Right. So that whole crew from the, the studio Picasso was staying in, they're all aware that Casa Hamas was losing his mind. And he's in, but he's in Barcelona by himself. He's in Barcelona by himself. Ooh. And then one day, Germain and Pyrus receive identical postcards from Casa Hamas that said, quote, yes, my arrival in Paris is imminent. This fucking guy. True to word. 
Mikasa Hamas shows up in Paris in his best olive-colored velvet suit. This fucking guy. You just cannot get rid of him. He, <laughs> Ka- Mikasa Hamas, get the fucking clue, man. He also shows up in, in, in an olive-colored velvet suit. What are you doing? I mean, that's cool. But he's probably being like, and like, he's probably being like, I'm the new Casahamis. Like, I'm the guy that everybody, you know, that everybody wants me to be. He's going into Paris, putting his putting his best foot forward. Yeah, yeah. he's ready to do this. The I'm right ready way. to fuck. So he goes to Jermaine's right away, and Jermaine turned him away because she moved back in with her husband. Yeah, and she hates him. Apparently, she's married the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know that. She was married the whole time, and she hates him. Kazahamas, real thrilled with the situation. Yeah, of course. So Pyaris, who is still in Paris, said Kazahamas could stay with him in the small studio just as long as he understood that a sculptor named Manolo was crashing there. Because, Manolo. Because Manolo was hiding out after deserting his military service. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Okay, I have to go back real quick and ask a question. Is Odette... Still in the picture? Odette is still in the... She's still she's hanging out. She's the only one with... She couldn't stand this guy, and now she's the only one still hanging out with him. Odette? Well, she's she's hanging out with Antoinette and Jermaine. Oh. So she's she was the one who was having sex with Picasso. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Antoinette, I was thinking, are they still together? Antoinette with, and Pyrus? Pyrus, yeah. I think so. They're still together, but she couldn't stand him. She grew on uh, her. He grew, I grew on her, I guess. Yeah, so maybe they were uh, they chill. Maybe he's a nice guy. I don't, I don't think Who he Who knows? Was. He was a wild dude. He was like he was the loud mouth. He was an asshole. Yeah, yeah but so. the other guy was so off the off, over, uh, unhinged that Antoinette was probably like, listen, I can't break up with this guy. Thanks. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks you, Jermaine. All these, all these insane people around me yeah. now. So <laughs> I, I want to I wanna pull back the curtain a little bit. Okay, Manolo. Yeah, I want to pull back the curtain Hit a little me. bit. I've, yeah, cause I've, I've talked about – anyone who knows me knows I, I can't shut up about Manolo. Uh, when doing research on this, there are so many characters and there's so much detail and there's so many facts that you got to cut a bunch of stuff out and still maintain the integrity of the story. Otherwise, we'd be here for, you know, months. And it – Richardson is so detailed. Like, we don't really need to know who the owners of El's Quattro Gats are and what their backstories are. But every once in a while, I'll read about somebody, and my first thought is, please be a part of the story for a very long time. And as soon as I got to Manolo, two pages in, it He's said in that he would, he would be part of Picasso's life for years. And oh, I was like, like, Manolo! I was so excited. I cannot wait to Manolo hear is described what has trapped your heart with Manolo. Manolo is described as small, utterly amoral, and mischievous. Yes. Like him already. Immediately. This is like the first sentence about him, and you're like, yes. Manolo was the illegitimate son of a Spanish general who kicked him out of the house for, quote, insolence. One time when his father punished him, Manolo tearfully asked for an embrace, and when his father hugged him, Manolo stole his watch. <laughs> Now, that sounds like one of those stories that someone makes some shit up, but I do believe that story because it's consistent with Manolo and what we're going to learn about Manolo (laughs) moving forward. When he was old enough, Manolo was drafted into the military where he was put in the cavalry. He was issued a horse, which he promptly stole, Stole, sold, and fled to Paris. I can see this. I could have saw that. I could have told you that. And I'm not looking at anything. I could have told you. As that. soon as we mentioned a horse, you know it's probably he, gonna get he stolen. He ran away. He ran stolen. I mean, that's like it's his horse. But he, I knew he was like, 
he either like took it and just took off or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, he sold it he and, sold and fled to Paris. And so now we've got Manolo living with Pyaris crashing on the couch, mm-hmm. and he is immediately not cool with this living arrangement because Casa Hamas was seriously harshing Manolo's me- his mellow. But Casa Hamas took care of that problem a few days later when he announced that he was leaving Paris for good. Casa Hamas. Casa Hamas is leaving Paris for good, and everyone's like, thank fucking God. Uh-huh. So not only at this point was Casa Hamas a bummer to be around, but people were very concerned for his mental health and well-being. Yeah, so he was going back to Barcelona. He was he was leaving. We, we just don't we know. We don't really know it, where it was the olive, was. The olive suit was all he brought. He was in his best olive velvet suit looking fresh. Why? Listen, so these guys fresh. all dropped bills on black corduroy buttoned-up jackets and stuff yeah matching suits it was great (laughs) so So i'm not surprised a huge dinner party was announced to celebrate casa hamas's departure set up by who everyone in the crew everyone's like all right yeah yeah, yeah, so that day all the men went to the louvre but casa hamas stayed behind because he had some letters to write and everyone gathered at a restaurant that night called le hippodrome picasso was still in madrid so he's not really involved in this part of the story, but the rest of the crew was there. Pyaris was there. Odette was there. Odette, I love you, girl. Jermaine was there. Casa Hamas, and even Manolo. I love you more, Manolo. And a few more friends were there. It was a huge dinner party. Mm-hmm. At the dinner, it was a blast. Everyone was drinking lots of wine, laughing. Casa Hamas, who had been an absolute nightmare for so long, was in a fantastic mood, which made Jermaine very suspicious this guy there's a gun or or someone gets or he kills himself or he kills people i i don't i don't even know what's happening we're go on, go on, go on. at around 9 p.m oh, okay. casa Hamas stood up to make a speech which he did in french apparently for odette's sake which is weird. Wait, wait, for right. Odette's sake or yeah, for Jermaine's sake? No, because Odette only yeah, speaks right, French, right, right. so he decided to do it in French. And everybody knew French. Yeah. yeah. As he stood up, he reached into his pocket no. and pulled out the letters he had written and handed them to Jermaine. And as Jermaine took the letters, she noticed that the top letter was addressed to the local chief of police. Oh, no. And when she looked up, she saw that inside the jacket of Casa Hamas's colored, colored velvet suit was a gun. Shit. Tune so, in next week. No way, really? Tune in next no week. No way. That's why we're leaving Just tell off. me, though. No. No, I want to. Wait, wait, does he shoot her? Does he shoot himself? Do they tackle him? He's got a gun. That's all oh, we know. Fuck. Yeah, You're kidding stressful. me, dude. It's stressful. <laughs> I know. I'm sitting here, and I'm like, it's quiet. I can't, we can't stop there. Yeah, we're gonna. Uh, okay. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Artholes Podcast. And if you like the show, please leave us five stars on iTunes and a review. It really does help. Thanks for listening.